This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Bob in Linwood. Hey, Bob. Hey, glad to get on the show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, you know, I was going to talk to you a little bit about what we could do to get, you know, some more draft picks next year because, you know, we gave my out in the Adam yeah. deal and, you know, and, but you kind of already touched on that with a couple of the past uh, callers. So I, I guess more or less, you know, I lived in Arizona for like 10 years, right? And I saw the way their fan base operated down there for the Cardinals. And they were the most fickle fans I've ever, you know, heard in my life. They just turn on this team like nobody's business. And now I'm sitting up here and I'm, I'm listening to our Seahawks fans doing the same thing. Like you mentioned, 12 wins last year, boiled, and we've been winning so long. I'm a lifelong Seahawks fan from the 76, and I remember when we stunk it up good back with Rick Meyer and all that garbage. Mm-hmm. And I think people just need to relax and kind of, you know, enjoy the sport instead of just getting themselves all riled up and wanting to fire people, man. I know. I agree. I mean, again, it's like, you know? a, I mean, you, you hear this in a lot of cities and it seems to be even more prominent right now. It's like, let's get rid of, let's get rid of, let's get rid of. Well, what are you going to do to replace them? That's- exactly. I, hey, you know what, though? And, and I have nothing against Norton. I think, I know, he's been good to us, but that would be kind of cool getting Bradley back here, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. that's just me. But, I mean, that's what started this whole thing in the in the first place was when he was defensive coordinator, and that was one of the best defenses of all time. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't be a bad deal. But, I, you know, like I said, I had the one question, and then you already answered it, so I'm not going to take up much more of your time. I just want to tell the other 12 guys, man, you guys got to just relax. You know, no, just agreed. we have an off season or, you know, we, we get some injuries, it happens. And that's the game of football. And you just, you know, if you're a fan, you've got to know that and just roll with the punches. Yeah. But you never turn your back on your team. You know, I know that. So yeah. anyway, obviously, that- obviously, obviously the case is, I mean, uh, this town is spoiled because of the success and now that there's not success in the first half of a season, and we are talking about a first half of the season, then it's like, okay, we got to get rid of everybody. I mean, give me right. a break. Yeah, and I, I remember when we were, you know, 13, back in 2013, 14, when we were really good, and, and all these bandwagon fans, and, you know, you're battling online all the time because people are always accusing you of being a bandwagon. And then when we start losing then these people come out of the woodwork, you know, and they're just uh-huh. saying all this stuff. And I'm like, man, that doesn't even make sense. You know, get rid of, get rid of one of the best coaches in the last decade because he had half of a year where he's not winning when we should. But, you know, I think we'll turn it around because we always do. And he's a good coach and we got a good general manager. You know, I mean, don't go start tipping the ship right now because it ain't even halfway through the year. It's about halfway through the year. But, yeah. you know, I think they'll turn it around. I think uh, they'll do what they do, and uh, that's why they're in charge, and these people that call in aren't. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. All right. Hey. All right, got to go. All right, Bob. Good Thanks. point. Thanks, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. <laughs> Let's go to James in Tuala. Hey, James. Hey, good morning, John. Long-time listener and huge fan of yours. Congratulations on the recent Hall of Fame, too, by the way. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, question. 
for you. Uh, there was a lot of excitement going into the season with the hiring of Shane Waldron and mm-hmm. the concepts he would bring to the offense and how it would change everything. And I don't know if I'm just not seeing it, but I have to say I'm not seeing anything new on our offense. It kind of looks similar to, to what the previous OCs were doing. Um, I wanted your thoughts on that. On I understand Russell being out, Carson being out, but even when they were both in at the beginning of the year, it wasn't much to it. Well, I mean, what they were they were scoring like uh, you know, high. I mean, you know, I mean his numbers. Russell early was he was completing over seventy percent of his passes. Yeah, he was getting rid of the ball in two point six six seconds. You can see that he had some rhythm going, and then uh, you know. Injuries started to play on the offensive line. You know, Brandon Shell got hurt. You know, they had some injury situations with Damian Lewis. And so it's like that caught up to him a little bit. And then, of course, you lose Russell Wilson for three games, and you're not going to be the same. I mean, it's like, that's like... What do you think it'll... Well, it's like, okay, it's, it's like, it's like criticizing, criticizing Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona because, you know, he's not had Kyler Murray for a couple weeks, and the offense isn't as good. It's it's the same thing as like there. yeah it's like the same thing as uh, you know you're gonna fire uh, Sean Payton because he loses Jameis Winston and he has to go to you know backup quarterbacks uh, you know the Taysom Hill's been injured and have to you know go with uh, you know I mean it's like anytime you go to a backup quarterback I mean you have difficulties simple as that and it's a simple thing it's like the standard line in the NFL is if you go to a backup quarterback he can win you three games if you play him six he can lose you three games best you're going to get is 500 so do you think like the lack of jet sweep motions and pre-snap motions is because like D. Eskridge was hurt as well or yeah. is that just not part of Shane Waldron's system no anymore? it's part of Shane Waldron's system because again that's what they do with the Rams and they, they, they like the motion and all that stuff but uh you know, it's like you're now going with Geno Smith, at quarterback, for three weeks. And so that's it's just I mean, you know, you have to accept the injury factor. I mean, injuries played a big role in this. And, you know, Estridge, I mean, what? He only played in the first game. And he, he's there. He's one of those jet sweep type of guys. But again, it's like, OK, who's going to be the next guy? Again, you're not gonna. You don't want to risk Tyler Lockett. I mean, he can do it occasionally, but if you risk him, you, you on a jet sweep, he could get hurt. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's like everybody wants, you know, the uh, creativity. They want this and they want that, but injuries play a factor in all this. Sure. Uh, one last question for you. Yeah. Since people have been talking about running backs and. Uh, obviously, it's a major hit to the Seahawks to lose Carson for the rest of the year again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, watching watching the college scene, uh, one running back's been standing out, and that's Kenneth Walker, his running style, his vision. Any chance somebody like him falls to the Seahawks in the second or third round that we can get? Haven't haven't studied the draft whatsoever, so I can't answer that question uh, one bit, unfortunately. I mean, where, where's Kenny Walker play? Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, hard to tell. I mean, it is, it is possible. You know, if they continue the way they're going now and draft in the top ten or top twelve, I guess there is a chance. I mean, you know, take a look at the, you know, some of the successes of guys taken in the second round. 
I mean, you know, Jamal, I mean, you, you know, you, you look at what happens with Williams with the Denver Broncos and look at how successful he is. I mean, you, you look at Jonathan Taylor and how successful he is. I mean, you can get a good running back in the second round and particularly in a draft like this. Cool. That'd be good if we got somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because again, it's like, you know, a lot of teams don't like taking quarterback or taking running backs in the first round. I mean, that's just, uh, you, you can see that. And of course, I mean, you can see the running backs that got paid and how that, that's been a little bit problematic. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, you can, you can get one. Now the question is going to be, are you better served to get, you know, an offensive lineman, you know, with that second round pick, or are you better served to get a running back? Obviously you want the best player. Yeah, I can see that. They definitely need a left tackle and a center going forward. But yeah. <laughs> guess we'll find out what John Schneider and Pete want to do in the draft in April. Yeah, that's true. Long wait for that. But again, it's like, uh, you know, obviously they're going to be looking at things. Well, I appreciate your time, John. You have a great weekend and uh, take care of that missus for you. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Victor in Auburn. Hey, Victor. Hey, John. Another great show. Ah, thank you. Hey, um, a couple quick ones about Denver. I'm concerned with how uh, the play calling is going. seems like they're really effective with the run, especially in the, the, the setup, the... To, to beat the chains, uh-huh. and then last week they went away from it prematurely, and then they didn't give them a chance in the second half. And then with Bridgewater's incapabilities, like shooting himself in the foot. What's the the reason behind that? Well, I mean, of course, last week was a little bit different because Mike Shula was calling the plays because Pat Shermer, you know, was on the uh, COVID you know, nineteen list. And then to make matters worse, I mean, there were down three starters on the offensive line. And when you're down three starters on the offensive line, particularly two tackles and one of your best guards, how are you going to run the ball? It's going to be very difficult because, again, you know, it's like, you know, the Eagles may not be a great team, but they have some good guys, you know, like Fletcher, Fletcher Cox and, you know, Barrett at the defensive end. And so, you know, they can they can stop the run. And so uh, certainly to get away from the run like they did was not a good thing. But but they had so many things that was predictably bad that worked against them. You know, like, for example, I mean, you can see that, uh, you know, the Eagles ran the ball so well, and here they were without their best running back, Miles Sanders. And, uh, you know, because, again, they got the totally revamped linebacking core and changes in the secondary. So, again, oh, right yeah, now, that, when, when you see the, the missing linebackers and, and uh, the new ones that are stepping in and not knowing their, the gap control or mm-hmm. exactly what they're supposed to be doing completely, you could see the huge uh, how they're getting gashed for the, the six, seven. 12 plus uh, yards on on the run from the Eagles because they're they're doing good on Hurts except for the initial long run it just the, the defense just couldn't get out on the third and 12 and the and then that perfect pass to uh, Smith that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. right over you know went it looked like it went through Peterson's uh, or not Peterson Sertan's uh, face his, his face mask or something I don't know how that was, was completed right. But, but yeah, the, I mean, I, I, I the think... offense is so uh, limited and held back with uh, with Bridgewater. Um, and I know, obviously, the coaches are not willing to play uh, lock. But, right uh, now, they can't. 
He's still on yeah, well, COVID. Yeah, I know he can't at, at the, 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 uh, the moment with the, yeah, he's his COVID-19. COVID again, it's like, yeah. a, uh, you know, Locke comes in and he's still going to make more turnovers than Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, yeah I'm sure he, well, Bridgewater's had a lot too this year, but I'm sure he has going to make a little more uh, turnovers. It's just the fact that he's uh, uh, he's able to, to spread the defense some because the, the only mm-hmm. uh, passes uh, Bridgewater is attempting is the the deep out where he has the sideline as his companion, so he, he's trying to be safe there. But when he's thrown on the inside, there, he checks off his first read, comes down to the middle, and then he waits too long. He, he got the five seconds. What's he's the longest quarterback in the the to pass the ball, and he's still taking the third most amount of sacks. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how to combat that, and he just he seems like he's holding him back. And I understand Locke's probably not the answer, especially in the the, the immediate situation. But uh, you think Denver's going to go all in? with their picks and try to pick a quarterback yes the new coaching staff if they lose yes i think they will they have no choice they got to do something because uh you know they really haven't had the right quarterback since peyton manning and you know you you win in this league with quarterbacks and you know and again they're in a situation right now where you know if they don't win this year you know fangio's out uh there's going to be an ownership change it looks like and so there's a lot of things that can happen what what was your thoughts yesterday when we found out that uh, they got a deal with Tim Patrick and that could cost them the chance to keep uh, Cortland Sutton. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that was my next question. I'm uh, I'm happy to see Patrick stay around. He's a, a great wide receiver, doesn't drop the ball often, and uh, clutch, clutch on his catches. I don't think he's as explosive as Sutton, and I think the reason Sutton's not getting more more hype or more play is because of uh, Bridge Roberts' ability of throwing. But with his his year, the way he's doing, not producing well, and coming off an injury, do you think that's going to lower his money and that Denver might have a chance to keep him? Probably not. Yeah, because, right. again, it's like, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl player. I mean, you know, we, uh, certainly one of the great things about Tim Patrick is that he hasn't dropped the ball all year. I mean, what, he's got 57 catches or something like that, or 53 catches, and he hasn't dropped one all year. But Cortland Sutton hasn't dropped one all year. I mean, he catches everything that's thrown to him. They both are in that same category. Uh, it's just that uh, you know they, they I'm sure what they did is that they signed the most affordable guy of the receivers and uh, you know Patrick was going to come in you know at 10 I mean again I don't know if it's going to be you know 10.3 or 10.4 or whatever it's going to be but he came in you know probably at 30 million bucks over three years because because uh, uh, you know everybody you know m- most of the reporters overdo what the real signing you know what the real signing is going to be and they mm-hmm. you know listen to the agent and they blowed it up a little bit but uh you know i think in the end is that uh you know you're looking at Cortland sutton who's been to the pro bowl and is a really good receiver I mean, he can probably get 14 to 16 and again yeah you, i think it came out to 18 uh, guaranteed for for patrick with yeah the, but don't buy that I yeah mean, yeah don't buy it i mean again it's like oh, let's see the contract and it's like, and the guarantees are overrated. They're overreported, and they're reported poorly. Yeah, I, I just think with a just a, even a, a touch up at quarterback, a more dynamic quarterback, even by twenty percent over Bridgewater. I know he got his his numbers are fine with completion percentage and in this and that, but it's still not translating into points. Um, but with the, all the weapons Denver has, with those wide receivers and the, the tight ends, even the running backs, I mean, it, it just it's going to go to waste. And now. Yeah, Next but of all, moved, of, the, you know, like of, all, of all the quarterbacks who moved last year, tell me which one would have been a better choice than uh, Bridgewater. And I'm not totally endorsing Bridgewater, uh, but it's like, what, Sam Darnold? Uh, Stafford. Huh? I would like to see them get uh, – I know they went for uh, – gave him a shot with 
yeah. Matt Stafford, but I don't think they were willing to pay whatever the price was. But I, I think that's probably within the only other quarterback that would have been yeah. uh, Stafford, better for Denver. Stafford would have been a good choice, yeah. but the, but the difference is is that the Detroit wanted a quarterback in return, and so you know they weren't going to take Drew Locke in return. So it's like uh, they you know they ended up you know make, making the move, and so it's like they wanted somebody to come in in Detroit to be a starting quarterback, and so really that kind of took Denver out of the mix. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go to a battle with Locke than Goff. But, uh, John, you take care. Speak to you next week, and uh, be well. Okay, bud? Okay, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Steve in Skyway. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, John. How are good. you? Good. How are you? Good. I got a couple things for you. Uh, first of all, uh, Scott Service, did he get jobbed on the uh, yes. manager of the year? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, because so. it won, you know, it's like 90 games on, on a team that's supposed to win like 74 to 76. Yeah. I, th- I think he got jobbed. Yeah. And then, okay, I got a question about this kid down in Tennessee, this uh, Jeffrey Simmons, mm-hmm. interior defensive lineman. He is a game wrecker. Oh, no doubt. Weren't the Seahawks tied to him? No. I mean, they were looking at him in the draft? They might have looked at him, but again, it's like, uh, remember, I think he had a, a knee injury coming out of college, and he didn't play in his first year. Yeah. Uh, n- let me ask you this. How come more teams aren't looking for necessarily for guys like that interior pass rushers rather than the corners off the edge? Well, because, I mean, uh, you know, corners, I mean, again, I think George Payton said it probably the best. You know, cornerback position is one of the hardest to fill to get a top-level cornerback. And so, like, for example, what he did this year, instead of taking Justin Fields at quarterback, he ended up taking uh, Patrick Sertan because he realized that Patrick Sertan, you know, has Pro Bowl written all over him the rest of the career. Now, again, at defensive tackle, I mean, they did take Malik McDowell, and unfortunately he had the accident. I mean, you know. And he's playing well, too. He is playing well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's surprising everybody because, you know, he's he's starting now for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you know, they do have Robert Kondichi, but, of course, now all of a sudden uh, you you got, uh, you know, you know he's now kind of dropped off a little bit. But, again, it's like uh, it depends on the year, and sometimes it's just hard to get those defensive tackles. Hey, let me ask you this. Okay, this is a big question, John. Yeah. Battle of the Bands. Okay. AWB or Tower Power? Hmm. I go a- AWB. Okay. Okay. What, what was average average white band would be is it's just great. Yeah. What you what you what, Tower of Power is is wonderful, but it's you know, it's a little mellow and all that different stuff. But the average white band is just great. Okay. All right. Well good talking to you this week. All right, thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two oh six four two one ESPN. Our weekly dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby coming up next. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so I think we have to start off talking about the Washington State Cougars you know, winning big yesterday and now at least qualifying for a bowl game with an interim coach. Uh, thoughts on that and what might happen with the uh, Washington State Cougars? More impressive than that, with an interim coach, you know, um, who had to come under really strange circumstances, and and um, you know, I can't think of anything like it exactly. Yeah. So uh, just uh, just really a, a hats off. I mean, Max Borgie had a had a great game. It was one of those nights in in the Palouse where uh, where you knew that a team from Arizona was going to have a lot of a lot of problems, and Washington State played very well. And I think the the um, 
the icing on the cake for them, obviously, is is next Friday, is to, yeah. is to wrap it up with a win in the Apple Cup, something they haven't done in a while. No doubt about it. And so it's like, uh, now, what, what's your thoughts as far as the interim coach getting the, uh, uh, staying as the head coach next year, whether, is that, does it come down to him, you know, winning the Apple Cup to be able to get the contract extension, or what does it, what does it come down to? I think it's a great question, John. I think if he wins the Apple Cup and then wins a bowl game, mm-hmm. it's not a question of, um, you know, should he get the job? It's how do you not give him the job at that point? Um, so I, I haven't heard anything from Washington State that, that indicates that they have shut the door on that. I don't think that – I'll, I'll just hypothesize here that that probably wasn't what they thought the, the case would be because they kind of scrambled, uh, obviously, um, when they when they named him. But if you, you see these kind of results and – you, you see uh, you see a win in, in, in the Big Apple Cup game on the road, and you see a win in a bowl game, I think it, that would pretty much seal the deal. So uh, I expect that we will hear some talk around that from the Washington State uh, camp here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, but again, that was a big win, and it looks like he's done a great job of being able to uh, you know get things working on a very positive basis. Yeah, and again, in a situation where it's not like the team was struggling, it's not like the team wasn't doing well. It's not a normal circumstance where you lose a lose a coach during the season. Uh, you know, it was it was really strange, and you know, this was a crew that uh, a team, I mean, that was very loyal to him. So, you know, it's uh, again, it's hats off for uh, for plowing straight ahead, and and for those guys, you know, kind of understanding, especially the seniors, that that you know, you have one senior year, you have one senior year in college. Uh, you know whether you're whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, and to make the most of it, and that's what they did at Washington State. No doubt about it. And of course, uh, a little bit of a different situation at Washington, where things are pretty messy. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, sort of the same kind of the same kind of thing uh, is out there. The same stick on the carrot, so to speak. If they can win in Colorado today, and Colorado is, I think, three and seven, and yeah. not particularly good, and and then hold on and win the Apple Cup next week. Uh, for Bob Gregory, they become bowl eligible, and that was something that did not seem very likely when they were losing earlier in this year to to Montana, and then had the Jimmy Lake circumstance. So, you might have two interim coaches uh, who, who could make it. And so that that happens, they're bowl eligible, win a bowl game. Uh, you might have two uh, two circumstances where you have interim coaches who have made a made a strong case to keep the job. Though in the case of Washington, I think it would be a big surprise if that happened, but. Like I said, he, he still got a chance to to coach a win against Wyoming and and, and coach a excuse me against Colorado, and and coach a win against uh, against the Cougars and get a bowl game and and make him make a tough decision. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt. It's like uh, it's it's boy. I tell you what though, it's like what what an adventurous couple weeks for the Huskies. You know, of course, you got Jimmy Lake being fired. You've got the offensive coordinator being fired. Uh, you know, a lot of turbulence on that team. And, of course, I mean, you know that they're they're looking at names and studying things and seeing which way they could go as a head coach. Right. And, you know, I think the feeling at Washington is that they're they're looking for a big name and, and it's it's the sort of program that, that would that would be attractive to big names. And I think that's the case. I mean, I think that's that's the case for, for both sides of the Washington program. I remember uh, many, many years ago when it came to Washington basketball, a guy telling me that he thought mm-hmm. it was one of the most attractive jobs in the country when football was going great because everyone was paying attention to the football team and you had this beautiful campus to recruit to. Well, 
you know, in, in the case of Washington football, you've got a, a, something that, that slid a little bit, that struggled since Chris Peterson was here, which wasn't that long ago. Uh, they were in a uh, bowl championship series that wasn't like it was 15, 20 years ago. It was five years ago, six years ago. So I would think that Washington would be a very attractive job for, for one of those big names that I think the Huskies want to spend their money on. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, of course, I mean, they are. you can see that uh, they will be willing to spend the money to try to do whatever they need to do and, uh, you know, Try to get the bigger question right. is about the athletic director over there, John. It's about Jen Cohn. Uh, you know, her, her last two hires, you know, both kind of looked good at, at the start, but then, then have, have, have not looked good. I mean, Bob Hopkins is is just, you know, you look at it and he won with Lorenzo Romar's talent, is how you got to, you know, look at it now. And, and you're saying he can't win with his own. I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're one and two in the non conference after a five and 21 season. Um, you know, she was, he was, two-time Pac-12 coach of the year, but again, that was not with his players. So, you know, you got to wonder if she's feeling a little bit of pressure over there as well. Yeah, but I, I, I don't you? I, I like her a lot, don't you? I do too. I, I think she's I do great. Too. And yeah, I, I do too. But, but um, you know, I'm not an alum who's dipping in to pay for no. those coaches' buyouts. No, that's true. I mean, and we'll see how it's going to be for Jimmy Lake. Do you think there's any way with the way that uh, Lake had the pushing incident and allegedly had one before that a couple of years ago that uh, that could affect the guarantees on his contract? I don't think so, John. It does not seem that way. Now, uh, you know, they may we may find out uh, very differently, uh, but... You know, Washington's not making noises like that. Jimmy Lake's side would be making noises like that. My, my hunch is they will come to an agreement. So I, I, I just don't think it looks like that's going to be the case. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that but, be, you know. Uh, you never know. We'll see. Yeah. Right. How do you look at the, uh, the Pac-12 right now as a conference? Football-wise? Yeah. Down. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's down. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, you've got one program that's really carrying the banner. And just one, and that's Oregon. Oregon's win against Ohio State, uh, I can, I've heard it argued by many, is the best non-conference win in college football this year. And Oregon is in the Bowl Championship Series as we speak, uh, ranked number three, and, and has a chance to stay there. But um, you know, there's there there appears to be a steep drop off after that. Um, you know, there there aren't other programs that are that are playing at that national level. So uh, I would think that the I would say that the conference in general is in a down mode. Certainly, Oregon is not. But um, but everyone else is. It's not a huge yawning gap, but you know you're seeing the programs that have been solid in, in recent years. Washington and Stanford, in particular, come to mind, struggling a little bit. Washington State, although that they're going to make it to the bowl game this year, that they haven't quite reached the heights that they had under under Mike Leach. Um, Oregon State is struggling now. Arizona State and Herm Edwards have, have not really not not really had the season yet. I mean, they, they've, they've improved, but they have not had the, the kind of big seasons that they're hoping for there. Arizona's not doing anything. Utah is not as good as they've been. So uh, I would say, you know, Oregon Oregon is holding the banner, but uh, generally you're looking at a downtime in the Pac-12. What do you, what do you think it's going to take for uh, USC to bounce back into prominence? <sighs> well, two things. I mean, I, I'm not sure what their, their special admits uh, situation is, but that's how the SEC does it, you know, they, they they allow a lot of special admits for their students, and and for USC, it's just someone like, you know, like Pete Carroll did, who can who can capture what that program is. I mean, USC has got the reputation, you know, you know, apologies to Oregon, but if they're good, that it's the West Coast school more than any other that that you can get recruits from all over the country to if they're going well, and and it's so it, I, I guess you could say it's 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 having the right coach and. 
what Pete Carroll showed to having the right coach at USC is not crystal clear. It's not obvious. He was on, on, in no way, shape, or form their number one choice at the time that he went there. And no one looked at him and saying, well, this is a guy who should be a, a great college coach. You know, people saw enthusiasm, but that was it. They didn't see that, that Pete Carroll had a lot of the other things that, that were required. So uh, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough hire. It, it's not as easy to hire as it looks like to hire a guy who can succeed at SC. And what about at UCLA? I mean, Chip Kelly's obviously the big name, but it yeah. hasn't necessarily worked out so well. Well, John, if you look at the history of UCLA, that, that's far different than USC. I mean, you know, really the only coach who had long-term consistent success there is, is Terry Donahue. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're, we're going back 20, 30 years. Um, you know, UCLA is, is not the, doesn't have the same recruiting base that, that USC does. They don't recruit as much nationally being a, being a state school, not a private school. They don't have the same advantages USC has. So, you know, they labor in, in the shadow of Big Brother, so to speak, with that program. And, and from those alums that I, that I know that I've talked to there, they make it difficult on coaches there. They, they make it difficult to, to succeed there. And, and Chip Kelly is just the latest in a long line of guys who find it very hard to succeed at UCLA. Now, of course, uh... How disappointed are we right now as far as the Kraken? Because uh, mm-hmm. I know they were an expansion team last year. Vegas was an expansion team, and you know they had such a great year. But right now, I mean, uh, even with the home games that they're having, the Kraken are not doing well. No, uh, you know, Colorado is, is clearly one of the class teams in the league, and they skated like it last night, and they just they just wrecked the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- no, they, they look bad, John. I mean, th- th- there's no getting around that. Uh, they were down 7 nothing in that game and got a couple of goals late. Uh, they're playing the worst hockey right now, and, and I think, you know, it's it's you, you, you're immediately questioning, you know, what you've done uh, up until this point. Um, again, there's a long haul to be considered here, and, and again, I still think they've got the talent to be a, to be a lower-rung playoff team, but they're not playing like it, and, and um, it's, it's kind of a learning experience for all of us to see uh, how it's handled. You know, if you have certain coaches here, certain coaches jump on their guys and, and, you know, make it clear that the players are not performing the way they need to and, and shake things up. We haven't we haven't really seen enough of Dave Haxtell to figure out what his what his style is with these guys, but the, clearly what they're doing now is not working. No doubt about it. And so now Chris Carson's uh, going to have yeah. the elbow surgery. He's out for the season. Uh, how serious do you think this thing is, and could this be the end of the line for Chris Carson in Seattle? Well, I mean, I know he wants to come back next year. We'll see if he's healthy and, and can. And and but that having been said, uh, it, it's uh, he's only 27, right? Right. So I mean, it's not like he's at the natural. He should have a a couple of top years left if his if his uh, if his elbow gets better. But it's uh, it's really a more immediate problem than, than thinking about uh, thinking about next year with this guy. I mean, you're, you're thinking about what next. You're thinking about this week. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's what it is. Is it's it's time to see if Rashad Penny can can live up to anything at this point, and and I don't know how patient they'll be with him. I mean, I don't know how patient they've been with him. I think now you've, you're in a circumstance where you've got no choice to try and try and give him a shot. But you know, for for Chris Carson, he's now an oft injured running back, John, and uh, those are the worst kind, unfortunately. So uh, I'm not sure that it bodes very well for him remaining with the Seahawks. No, I, I mean that's true. I mean, I guess the only thing that plays to his benefit. Is the fact that uh, you know he's going to have the surgery? You know, Pete Carroll thinks he should be back next year, but Pete Carroll was op- seemed like uh, optimistic a week or two ago that he was going to be able to go back on the field and be able to play sometime in, uh, by the Arizona game. And uh, then all, all of a sudden, the complications, and now we find out the complications are leading to neck surgery. 
Yeah, four games. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's 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 it. And and I mean, that's you know, you gotta you gotta answer the bell. I mean, it's the yeah. first and foremost thing you got to do. You got to answer the bell. And and Chris Carson, unfortunately, has shown the last couple of years that's very difficult for him to do. It's 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 too bad because I think everyone likes his running style. Everyone loves the story. Seventh round draft pick and and uh, like 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 the era that he had. It just wasn't long enough. No doubt about it. And so now, what do you think the chances are of Seattle winning against Arizona tomorrow? Well, I mean, look, if you they played it on, it was on paper, they, you'd say that there's very little chance. But um, you know, I think you you got um, you've got a you've got an X factor in this game, John, and, and that is uh, you've got a superstar player whose pride is wounded mm-hmm. in Russell Wilson, and and you, you tend to get a, a, a reaction out of that. Now, maybe physically, he's still not going to be capable of playing the way he wants to play. Uh, maybe he just needed to kick some rust off. But you know, from from the Seahawks standpoint, you have the ultimate X factor, and that is a that is a star who, who feels the you know who's got doesn't have to look around for a, for a chip on his shoulder. I mean, it's all around him, so that that tends to really really push him. So I'm I'm going to say that I think the Seahawks have got a great chance in that game tomorrow. I, I don't know that I think they're going to win it, but I think that they're going to give Arizona all they can handle. Yeah, and of course I guess one of the keys is seeing if Kyler Murray's going to be able to be out there. I mean, he's right. listed as questionable as a game time decision. They won't have DeAndre Hopkins. Justin Pugh at guard. I mean, Buda Baker's a little bit banged up, too. We'll see if he's going to be able to play. But, I mean, the, the Cardinals had as many as 17 players on their injury list this week. And they're not playing well. No. They're not playing well either. So it's definitely definitely ripe for an upset if Russell Wilson is more the Russell Wilson that we've become used to seeing. So what's on the agenda for the Graz? Well, John, I got my booster yesterday okay. for, for my vaccine, so I'm just going to sit around here and make sure I don't get sick. There you go. That's not a bad idea. Watch a little bit of football, and that's yeah, not a bad thing. I, a little bit of football is going to go over just fine. Yeah. Of course, that's our weekly dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. Dave, have yourself a good week, and also have a good Thanksgiving. You too, John. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Okay. Sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Commando Dave. Hey, David, how are you? Hey, John Clayton, man. It's great to be back on the John Clayton Show. I'll tell you that. Shout out to Matt DMC Nelson for getting me on the airways of 710 Cairo home of the must-win Seattle Seahawks so I can bring it to the show. And while I'm giving shout-outs, John Clayton, let me give one to Mike Burrell of the Seattle Times. Way to do your job in 2019 and getting that big Jimmy Lake scoop that you waited two years to break. Perhaps if you wrote that story in real time, it wouldn't seem like throwing dirt in the grave of a guy who wasn't even in the casket yet. And speaking of Grandpa Munster... What a difference a week can make, John Clayton. This time last Saturday, there were ominous clouds swirling around Montlake uh, as rumors mounted about Jimmy Lake and uh, his demise. And, and since Sunday, there's just been a constant thunder and lightning like at 1313 Mockingbird Lane. John Clayton, the Huskies have played over 1,200 games since 1892, and there's never been a season like this one. And after a Montana beat the Huskies on opening day in Husky Stadium, Bender, the Beavers beat the Huskies, Bender, the Bender I was on for three quarters of the Arizona game, and last week 
what the hell is going on out there, Bender? I just wish I was at Folsom Field today so I could just throw myself in front of the Buffalo as it runs onto the field. <laughs> Jimmy Lake was the 29th Husky head football coach, and, and ironically, 10 of them also coached, only coached one season. And in my estimation, John Clayton, the firing of Jimmy Lake is as close to Don James walking away as it gets. And for dark fans listening and almost running off the road, slow your roll. I'm not comparing Jimmy Lake to the legendary dog father. But like the end of the James era, the end of the Lake era is abruptly changing the direction of the program after a wave of success as it endeavors to find the next so-called right fit to lead the program back to glory. And it took 29 seasons to get Chris Peterson after Don James stepped down to even come close, and here we go again. At least Jennifer Cohen quit looking for cause, put the magnifying glass away, and put on her black glasses and fired Jimmy Lake in disguise without cause. Uh, And there's a lot of names, of course, going around. I'm throwing in Sean Lewis from Kent State. Hopefully, maybe we could get uh, lightning to strike twice. And if not, Bobby Houck, who's the guy who pretty much put the hit out on Jimmy Lake from week one. Moving to the Seahawks, John Clayton. Pete Carroll, of course, is famous for stating that you can't win a game in the first, second, or third quarter. But I just hope he knows you can't wait until the fourth quarter of the season to win a wild card. You know what I'm saying, John Clayton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got to they've they've got to win this game tomorrow. There's no question no about doubt it. about that. Yeah, and unfortunately, last week, you know, I was talking to uh, Idaho Vinny, aka mm-hmm. Vincent Bossel. Um, I think he's in the witness for protection program over there, John yeah, Clayton. Yeah, yeah. But but I did Luna's grandpa. Look, we were talking, and uh, you know, we came to the conclusion that if Russell Wilson doesn't look good in practice last week. Pete Carroll would definitely have an eye for that, not let him start. Uh, and then if he did start, at least put him on somewhat of a short leash and have uh, give him a quarter to have uh, um, Geno Smith coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't do that because Geno Smith looked so good in that Jacksonville game. Uh, lastly, John Clayton, just wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving We all have lots to be thankful for, and one of them is the longest-running, caller-driven, most informative sports radio show in America, the John Clayton Show. Damn it. Go Huskies. B-Dogs. Go Seahawks. Hawk and roll. My best of Mrs. Clayton. Talk to you, John Clayton. Okay, Commando, and have a good Thanksgiving. And, of course, coming up next, Seattle Sports Saturday. And we'll be back next week from 8 to 11. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.